first rain this morning. Uh, sometimes it's hard to get up, get out of bed, and get out of the house. But I'm sure you'll be blessed for coming out this morning, and um, thanks uh, for the prayer requests, and appreciate you guys' support for our ministry. Uh, we've been doing quite a bit, and I'll take just a minute here and kind of update you on that. Um, actually just got back from the Bahamas. I was down there for about a week helping with a, a remodel on our mission house down there in Freeport. And uh, just prior to that, I had gone down and uh, done a, a, a survey trip from Jamaica all the way up through the islands, flying from island to island there uh, to see where the best spots would be for me to set up our tents later this summer and do some meetings throughout the Bahamas and Jamaica. We experienced a little bit of trouble down there in Jamaica with customs and security and things like that. I wasn't running drugs, I promise, but they seemed to think I was. So uh, they proceeded to search us two or three times and search our airplane. Even the next day after we had cleared everything and stayed in town overnight, came back the next morning to leave and they wanted to search our airplane again. So at that point I called the embassy to get them involved and everything Turned out all right, thank the Lord, but a little bit of a scary moment there, so we're praying about whether or not we are going to go back down there. Um, but we got a lot going on. My wife and I were looking at our calendar last night, and uh, we're pretty well booked up through uh, up into August and November for the year. Lots of uh, flights and uh, different meetings and things that are taking place throughout the year. So just be uh, praying for our ministry and uh, for discernment and wisdom about the meetings down in the islands. I'll be going down there in, uh, I believe it's two weeks, and taking a team down to the Bible Institutes down in Exuma, uh, which is down in the central part of the Bahamas, and uh, I'll, I'll leave them at the Bible Institutes. There's two different islands. I'll split them up. Uh, they'll teach at the Bible Institutes for three days each, and then I'll switch them, and they'll teach for three days at, at the opposite Bible Institutes, and then I'll bring them home. So, I... That's been a ministry of mine now for, I guess, close to four years, over three years. But because of COVID, this is actually the very first time, Lord willing, that we're going to make it down there to be able to do it since COVID started. Because of uh, obviously not being able to meet down there during COVID and then after COVID, the people down there, the students didn't have the money uh, to be able to take part in the Bible classes down there and so forth. And lost places to, to hold the meetings. So now it's all come back together, and uh, Lord willing, we'll start that back up here in just a couple of months. So uh, again, thank you for all your prayers and definitely for your support. This church is one of my longest supporting churches. You guys were right up there in one of the first probably five churches that ever supported us, and I appreciate that. It means a lot to me. So this morning, we're going to be in our Bibles in Matthew chapter 7. If you want to turn there with me, Matthew chapter 7. How many of you are on social media? I'm not bashing social media this morning, I'm just curious. I'm on social media. If you're on social media, I'll guarantee you, you hear what I'm about to teach on at least once a week. If not, you may, you may even see it every day, especially if you're on Facebook. Title of my lesson this morning is Don't Judge Me. Anybody ever hear that statement? Just about every day, somebody says, Don't judge me. Why did he say that? He's judging me. Everybody gets their little feelings hurt this day and time. 
<clears throat> so Matthew chapter 7, starting there in verse 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. That's what we always hear. For with that what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. In verse 6, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and rend you. Uh, I'm sorry, turn again and rend you. So if you've been alive any length of time, like a couple of hours, I'm sure you've heard that phrase again, don't judge me. Uh, we've <clears throat> heard it in our friends' homes. We even hear it in our churches today. And of course, all the time, if you're on social media, uh, TV and so forth. It's just a, a popular phrase and probably my biggest pet peeve when it comes to the Bible, that phrase, don't judge me. Uh, so whether you're a Christian or not, uh, we hear this statement often. And some people who use it are simply asking you not to draw an opinion of them for a certain thing, while others that use this phrase are speaking in a, a phrase, I'm sorry, are speaking in a biblical context yet they are using it completely out of context, 99.9% .9 of the time. And these people, they might even throw in when they use this phrase, well, the Bible says, don't judge. So this morning, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to see what the Bible says about this statement, don't judge me. In verse 1, it's pretty self-explanatory there. It does say, don't judge, so you won't be judged. However, if I said to you, don't eat, that sounds pretty cut and dry as well, but if you let me finish that conversation, my thought was, don't eat till we pray, or don't eat till everyone's food arrives. And you'll see that same type of thing here in the context this morning. You have to let me finish that sentence or conversation, and this passage is no different. To simply use the statement, don't judge so you won't be judged, is not a complete thought. And most people uh, don't use a complete thought whenever they're using that statement. You've got to keep reading, and that's the case throughout the Bible. You can't just pull out one single verse or part of a verse and use that, especially not when you're using that against someone or trying to teach somebody Bible. You've got to be sure that you understand the context, and the best way to do that is to know at least a few verses, if not a chapter, prior to what it is that you're using, and maybe even a few verses in a chapter after it is what you're using, so you understand the story, the situation. And most of all, the conversation. And as you'll see here, most of these pages before and after and the chapter before and after are red letters if you have a red, red letter edition Bible. So Jesus is speaking here. You need to know what he's thinking when he's making these statements as this one here, don't judge. Uh, I was speaking with my associate pastor about preaching and he said when he preaches something that he wants to know that context. He wants to know exactly what it was uh, to the best of our ability what that person, or in this case Jesus, was thinking when he made this statement. Uh, look now at John 7 and, and uh, verse 24. The Bible says, Judge not according to the appearance, 
but judge righteous judgment. So it doesn't say not to judge or draw a conclusion about something. It says with righteous judgment we have to make that conclusion. In other words, we need to figure out the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And I'm sure you've heard that statement as well. Where would we hear that? In a court of law, where the judge is trying to make a decision. Look at the evidence and all of it, not just part of it. They have to study the law, or in this case the Bible, to see what it says about the situation before they draw a conclusion or make that decision. But we do have to make decisions or judgments about things. You see, back in Matthew 7, the Bible also tells us in verse 6, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Verse 15, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. So we have to make judgment as to who or what the swine or dogs are here. We have to figure out uh, who these false prophets are. So how in the world could we make that decision without using somewhat uh, of, of judgment? There are times that we have to use judgment to make a judgment call. That doesn't mean that you're speaking bad about somebody. So the rest of the conversation there beginning in uh, verse 16, you shall know them by their fruits. How do we know you're going to know them? How do we know whose fruits are good and whose fruits are bad? By making a judgment. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Verse 17, even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. So we're in fact supposed to be judges here. We're to be judges of fruit, fruit inspectors, if you will. That's our job as Christians. So this doesn't mean that if we see that someone is producing bad fruit that we go off half-cocked and, I like to say, throw up at the mouth about how wrong somebody is and damning them to hell like uh, even, I'm sorry, but some preachers do this day and time. Uh, that's not our job. It's to lovingly help that person to move along uh, using uh, Bible and, and wisdom. And most of all, watch this word, discernment, about what we say to that person. Uh, we have to do that in a loving way. I don't see too many cases in the Bible where Jesus got mad and just went to somebody and started pointing his finger in their face and telling them what they needed to do different. Uh, and I don't think as Christians we have that right either. Somebody say amen. Thank you. You may remember uh, in the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman there. Let's go there for a minute in John 4. John chapter 4 and verse 7. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples, were, his disciples were going away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So the Lord here, he knew who she was, he knew what she was. 
And as you can see in the coming verses, even what sins that she had committed, but he didn't just go there to call her out. He didn't go there pointing his finger and telling her what she had done wrong. She was the one here that actually brought up her differences. I've said this before, that the devil calls you by your sin, but the Lord will just simply call you by your name. The Lord will call you drunk and drug addict and prostitute and, and so forth and so on, but the Lord, He'll just call you His. Amen. I'm glad to know this morning that the Lord doesn't hold those sins over my head. I'm glad to know this morning that if you're saved, He don't even know what sins you're talking about this morning. Amen. Isn't that good to know? Alright, so uh, again, there's also a time to judge. Uh, we'll go back to our text now in Matthew 7. Look at verse 19. Matthew 7 and verse 19, and the Bible says, Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down, cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. So by their fruits you shall know who? Those who are preaching incorrect doctrine. We need to be aware of that this morning. Those who are like ravening wolves in sheep's clothing. Those who are telling you lies which start by kind of sugarcoating the truth and twisting it a little bit and then making you believe a lie. We are to judge those people by discernment. But that works two ways. What about those that we can judge as good? Those that are nice people and seem to have it all together. Those that have big hearts and are kind to everyone. Those that always talk about God and do nice things for everyone. And I'll go a step further this morning. What about those that are always at church? Always doing ministry? Always giving their time and their money? How do we judge them? As righteous? Not always. And we have to be careful about that as well. Uh, many times when I preach, I'll say this. Especially if I'm at my home church and on a Wednesday night, it's a Wednesday night crowd and 99% of the time, uh, that's the root crowd of the church and most of those people within that class are uh, saved, mature Christian adults. But I don't ever take for granted that that's the case. I don't ever go in there judging that they're righteous any more than I go in there and judge that they're not righteous because I never know. And as Christians and and uh, as witnesses out here on the streets or wherever we may go, we can't do that as well. And we should try to the best of our ability any time that we have the opportunity to witness to each individually the same. Each individually we should go to those people and offer uh, our testimony at the very least. If you don't know what to say about the Lord or maybe you don't know your Bible very well, maybe you're a young Christian, the least you can do and actually, in my opinion, one of the best you can do is to simply tell people what the Lord has done for you. Amen? So moving ahead here, I've been Facebook friends with this guy for quite a while. It's uh, weird, you were talking about Alaska earlier. Uh, but this guy, he's, he loves the Lord. He's a super nice guy. Uh, he's actually a... Uh, I think he's training to be a helicopter pilot up there. We have a lot in common. Uh, just seemed like a great guy, a really nice guy. But as I watched him on Facebook, I could see different things that led me to believe that his doctrine is messed up. Uh, and I should have gone on Facebook and just called him out and told him exactly what he was doing wrong, right? No, not at all. It's not my place to be Facebook police. It's not my face to go, place to go on there and start calling him out and telling him that he's wrong. 
Uh, the fact is, what I can do and what I have done was to see the things that he was doing and first remove that moat from my own eye and look at my own life and be sure that I'm correct in those areas. And then if the Lord ever opens the door and gives me that opportunity, then maybe I can slightly interject uh, those things that I think I see wrong in his ministry to try to help him correct things there. So it is our place to judge, but we have to do it in the right context, we have to do it in the right time, and we have to do it in the right way. By the way, none of those things are going to send that person to hell if they're a saved person. Just because somebody walks in this church and they're not dressed correctly, if they're saved, is not going to send them to hell. Just because we see somebody out at a place that they shouldn't be if they're saved is not going to send them to hell. Just because we see a person watching something on TV or listening to something on the radio, whether they should be doing it or not, if they're saved, will not keep them from going to heaven and send them to hell. Amen. There's only one thing that will keep them from going to heaven this morning, and that's not knowing Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So my point here is that we even need to be guarded and make judgment about those who seem almost perfect in our eyes. Look there at Matthew 7, now in verse uh, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. but He that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So what is God's will? Well, 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. But as long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but here it is, that all should come to repentance. <clears throat> so not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the Lord's will this morning. For all to come to repentance, so they won't perish. Now back to Matthew 7 and verse 22 there. Many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Are they bearing fruit? And is that good fruit or is that bad fruit? Some of you may know Paul Washer. He said a man's best friend is the one that tells him the most truth. And I believe that statement this morning. Even though many of us today especially in this period of time, don't even want to hear the truth anymore. And if we do hear the truth, then we don't want to apply it to our lives. We don't want to be corrected because today, especially in our young people, in our schools, even in our educators, they already know everything, amen. We don't need to tell them anything. And I, I knew everything too when I turned 16. I just seemed to forgot it between then and now. Alright, so moving ahead here. The world can't take criticism even anymore, and that includes even constructive criticism. By, by the way, we do need to give constructive criticism at times, and I'm going to go ahead and say this. In the biggest time, you know that I started out my ministry in the public schools full-time, teaching character education there for about eight years. So I'm not just judging our schools this morning. I know what's going on in our schools, and my friends, it's not good. Amen? It's not good. Our young folks need help. And that starts at home. How does that start at home? Because parents need to be judging what their kids are doing. Amen? 
That's one place that we need to put our foot down and say, hey, you don't have any privacy. You don't have a right to have that thing that I can't look at. You don't have a right to go up there and lock your door to your bedroom. You don't have a right to do anything that I tell you you're not going to do because I'm your parent. Amen? We need to be a parent, not a friend. Too, many of that, too much of that going on today, I should say. Anyway, I'll go ahead and step off that soapbox. So Matthew 12 and verse 33. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. Verse 34, O generation of vipers, how can ye be an evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. So my question here is, do you know who he was talking to here? He was talking to the most religious crowd of that time, the Pharisees. The ones who spoke those long, wonderful prayers and walked around with their flowing garments cut so everybody could see who they were and to hear these glorious prayers that they spoke there. But those people were lost. The days of simply asking people to come to church and them coming and with all their kids and uh, families and being happy are almost gone. There was even a time that you could have a little playground out back and the kids would enjoy that. Now it takes a show with smoke and music. Uh, what are kids doing uh, nonstop? They're on cell phones, they're on video games, uh, they're on mom's phone, they have little flashy things and colored lights and kids aren't satisfied anymore because the world has taught them that they deserve more. We, uh, many times, and I, I'm guilty of this, I, I did this when I first started preaching, I was uh, against the lights and, and the music and, and so forth in the churches, and I'm, I'm still very uh, discerned about all that and even concerned about much of it, but we have to understand that the first thing that most millennials do now, and I've seen this with our own son, um, not as much as some, but the first thing they do is they want to put a phone or an iPad in that kid's hand. So for their entire life as a baby, I see them in the grocery store. They're in the buggy and mom's got an iPad in their hand and they're sitting there watching video and flashing lights all the time. And by the way, that has a lot to do with kids being hyperactive today. Those flashy lights all the time. The reason their little minds can't shut down at night because that's what they're constantly seeing. Well, what do we expect them to want out of a church? The same thing they've seen all their lives, amen? So again, we have to be careful when we start judging that and understand that we're as much to blame for that as the young folks are. Uh, so there's that. We'll just leave that where it lays. 2 Timothy 4.3, the Bible says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Boy, are we there today. Verse 4, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. So what do we do about it? Well, what do we do here at your church? Verse 5 there, But watch thou in all things endure afflictions. I like this one. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of, of thy ministry. Then back up to verse 2 there. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove. What's this one? Rebuke. Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. 
So yes, we have to reprove and rebuke, but we also have to exhort or lift up with, here's where I fail, long-suffering. In other words, just tell the truth, but tell the truth in a loving way. A false prophet, by the way, won't tell you the truth. They'll tell you what you want to hear. They'll keep you entertained. Satan doesn't want you dealing with issues about salvation this morning, by the way. He doesn't want you to question it. He doesn't want you to try to figure it out or figure out what might be wrong in your life. He's going to tell you things are just fine exactly the way you are. You don't need to change a thing. So we do at times have to make judgments. Once we do that, there's a time that we need to tell the people that they're wrong. So when exactly should we do that? Well, let's go back to our text there in Matthew 7. Look there at verse 3. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine own eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to do what? Cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So just as soon as we get our lives right, figure out what's going wrong in our lives, in our walk, in our ministry, then we can start to look at things in other people's lives. By the way, we need to seek God's help. We need to seek God's discernment of the Holy Spirit and ask for the words to use and the opportunity to talk with that person about that situation in the right time. Then we need to make a time to talk with the person, and depending on the severity, we may also want to include another person. And by the way, if you're a man, don't ever set yourself up to be in a situation where you're alone speaking with a woman. If you're a woman, don't ever put yourself in a position where you're alone speaking with a man, because I can assure you, you will be judged. Whether you've done anything wrong or not, people are going to say bad things about you, and you've put yourself in that situation. So, not only... Uh, do we judge people or people judge us? But sometimes we need to face the fact that we put ourselves in those situations to be judged. So we need to watch our own walk. Clean out our own eyes. Alright, so I said we would come back to the fact that there is a punishment, by the way, for bad fruit. And I believe there's also a punishment for false judgment. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If we do bad to people, sooner or later, guess what? We're going to reap that. But there is a punishment for those that are doing wrong. That doesn't mean necessarily that they're going to hell, but they're going to lose blessings from the Lord. And He may take them to the woodshed. And if you've ever been taken to the woodshed by the Lord, I'm here to tell you, you went through it. Uh, Just real quick, big part of my testimony, mine and my wife's testimony in 2008 to 2010 and maybe even into the first part of 2011, 
Uh, we weren't walking with the Lord like we should have been. Had a lot of material possessions. We were doing very well financially. Next thing you know, uh, by the way, we weren't in church. We weren't doing the things that we were supposed to be doing, serving the Lord like we were supposed to be serving. Hadn't been for years. As a matter of fact, I don't guess any of our relationship, we had, hadn't really served the Lord. We had dabbled in and out of church. But the Lord took us to the woodshed, amen. And He took all those material possessions away, and we had one thing left, and that was the Lord. And that's the only thing that got us through those times. And after we started changing and got back into church full time and started serving Him, we got back under that umbrella of grace. See, we were both saved, we were both going to heaven, but we weren't in church, we weren't serving the Lord, we weren't out there being a witness and a testimony for Him. Actually, quite the opposite. We were Christians being a testimony for the devil. Imagine that. But after the Lord took us to the woodshed and took all those things away from us, we almost went through a divorce. Thank God we got things worked out there. We were going to split up our custody with the kids and all the bad things that uh, that causes. Then the Lord started, started mending our marriage, started mending our finances, started mending our family. You say, what? Going to church will do all that? You better believe it will. Going to church makes a big difference in your family, amen. makes a big difference with your kids. And thank the Lord, I believe this, thank the Lord that our kids were young enough, at least our two daughters, that's all they ever remember is mom and daddy being in church. And I am proud that the Lord did that for us. You don't want to get taken to the woodshed. There in our text, verse 24, there, uh, Therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him a wise man which has built his house upon a rock. So stay humble, especially with those new converts and those new people that come in your church. Be nice to those people. Go above and beyond to treat them well. Hey, we need them to know they can go out here in town and they can go down to Walmart or they can go out here to the dance clubs and they can find people that will be nice to them out there. Shouldn't they find nice people here in the house of God? We need to let them know that this is the place they need to be. And remember this, that we all started somewhere. So I like this, give grace. Uh, give grace and God will give the same grace to you. Give grace today where you may need that same grace tomorrow. Amen. And that's all I have this morning. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to be here. Lord, we pray, God, for each and every prayer request that was made this morning. Lord, we pray, God, that you would be uh, with each family represented here in this church. We pray that you would be with those, Father, that are traveling this morning on their way here. Uh, Lord, I can't get off my mind. Uh, Missionary Paul Dudka, as, as we were speaking about earlier this morning, uh, and just thinking about, Lord, how many years he struggled there in the Ukraine with his church and his family and health issues and money problems and all the things that he went through for the cause of Christ. And then because of a bad thing, the thing that the devil meant for bad, Lord, you meant for good. And I watched you fill his church to the brim. And I watched you start saving people there in that church. And Lord, we just want to praise you this morning for all that's going on there with that pastor and that church and how he's helping people there in the Ukraine. We just pray that you'd continue to be with him and meet this financial need that he spoke of there on Facebook this morning. And Lord, we pray again that you would just be with the messages here today. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help me most of all. Uh, give me discernment. Give me wisdom as I preach to these people. 
And help us all, include myself, to be able to apply these words to our own lives and our own walk. And we'll certainly give you the praise, honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.